Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Crips of the Corn Podcast. I'm the great and powerful Mystery. And I'm late on arrival, Jay. And together we're the best podcast in all of the Midwest. I'm, I'm throwing that out there. <laughs> uh, we're joined by a very special guest today. He's the Salt Fork Naturalist, John Hickenbottom. Say hi, John. Hello. Uh, so real quick before we get into the stuff, we met you at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference uh, there at Salt Fork. Uh, yeah. We, we were supposed to do this this talk a long time ago, but we both had very busy lives. Uh, right. Summer, summer's like that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It flies. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah. So you do a lot for the state. So if anybody at home has ever typed in ODNR Bigfoot into YouTube, you've seen John's face. Uh, so you do. Yeah. So that's the kind of the first thing we wanted to get into is you've done the whole video collection. And it's a four-parter, right? Or it is... There's, uh, so it's, it's kind of interesting just to, not to, it's all good to off, off tracks here, but, uh, so it started in 2020, yep. um, when everything kind of hit the fan, mm-hmm. uh, right. we weren't, we weren't doing programming. So, so those of you that don't know what naturalists do, uh, we're sort of the educational arm of a park, you know? Uh, so when you visit a park and go on a guided tour, or do any sort of educational program that's you're dealing with a naturalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, now some parks call them rangers. That's we don't, we're, we're naturalists. Um, so during 2020 and not doing any public programming, we switched everything to virtual programming, which was fine at first. I was like really into it. Cause I got to, you know, tap into my inner Steve Irwin and I was doing little turtle videos, <laughs> you know, a little like three yeah. minute creature features where, and it was kind of fun because I'd go out and I'd, I'd go out and I'd collect, you know, a, a baby snapping turtle and I'd wait until the weather was decent and I'd find a nice spot that looked really idyllic and I would stage it. So it looked like I just found this thing, you know, I'd be, yeah. on my belly. I'd be on my belly in the mud, you know, as the turtle is like walking yeah. in front of the screen mm-hmm. or I'd hide a snake. I'd hide a snake that I collected, you know, the two or three days before under a log and, it, you know, you were discovering it with me. So it was really nice. We, I'd do these little three to five minute creature features. And then we sort of started formalizing our uh, our approach. And we started doing more formal webinars. Instead of just doing a video, sending it to, you know, our media people, we would we would formalize these sort of live stream webinars mm-hmm. uh, that included, you know, PowerPoints and things like that, um, which they were they were fine. I mean, I, I did a couple. I did some on like pollinators. I think I did one where I, I keep bees. So I did one in my oh. backyard, like check, checking the bee frames, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like showing how to do beekeeping. Um, so they were, they were good. They weren't my favorite. I mean, I don't really love being sort of boxed in yeah. as far as like content wise. Mm-hmm. So I, I was enjoying kind of doing my own thing, you know? Well then Halloween rolled along, you know, uh, the spooky season was upon us mm-hmm. and uh, we were sort of doing themed webinars uh and some of those were 
you know, n not haunted hikes, those sorts of things, you know, like the things that go bump in the night that you shouldn't be scared of that you should actually be, you know, fascinated in. Ah, okay. Um, which those are, yeah, those are always fun. If you ever get the chance, go on a not haunted trail because it's pretty fun to, you know, learn about flying squirrels and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and owls, you know, that's one of, aside from Bigfoot, I, I speak fluent owls. So people like <laughs> come to the park, people come to the park to hear me talk to owls, you know. We've, um, we've done that several times before. A little bit. Yeah. 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 So that's, you know, that's the, that was like my, one of my original sort of claim to fame, you know, was a, that I could, I sounded more like an owl than an owl did. You know? <laughs> um, actually, we did a Bigfoot hike not too long ago and somebody pulled out, like pulled up Merlin while I was doing a screech owl mm -hmm. and, and it registered as an Eastern screech owl. So I was like, oh, well. Impressive. Hey, you know, <laughs> Pretty yeah, accurate. So, you know, whatever. But, uh, we were doing things like that and, um, someone canceled that somebody was doing, going to do a ghost thing and couldn't, you know, they canceled, mm -hmm. like a, they had a family thing and canceled. And, uh, the, the person who was kind of in charge asked me to do a Bigfoot thing. And I'm like, sweet, I got a week. I can put together a really solid presentation in a week. I mean, that's plenty. Of Normally it's like, I'm, I'm figuring it out in the car on the way to wherever mm -hmm. I'm going. Mm -hmm. you know I mean, um, so I week was fine. So I pulled all my resources, talked to my, sort of my go-to local researcher. Uh, he gave me all of anything that I could have possibly wanted. And then more, he gave me this giant tote full that he just filled with all of his stuff, you know, <laughs> old files, and wow. old, you know, well, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've never seen anybody that loves those laminated sheets more than this guy. Uh, <laughs> everything, everything is in a laminated sleeve. So, uh, it, you, but you know, it was, it was great. I had, uh, I had all these, had all these good resources and I actually told my wife at one point, like toward the end of that week, I was like, if I if you shut out the light right now, the Patterson Gimlin film would project out of my eyes and onto the, <laughs> uh, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, because uh, being at Solve Work, I was always kind of into Bigfoot. Well, mm -hmm. no, I wasn't. That's actually a lie. I was very dismissive of it at first. Uh, when mm -hmm. I first started there, uh, I started there in 2012. I worked there two seasons. I transferred to Lake Hope uh, down in Southern Ohio. I worked there until 2016 and transferred back to Salt Fork. Because uh, this is my home. This is my backyard. I, I grew up here. So I transferred back to Salt Fork. And when I when I got back here, I mean, when I started even in 2012, I mean, it, you know, you got to look at it from my perspective. I had all I had all this knowledge on, you know, birds and snakes and bugs and stuff that I wanted to share with people. And every conversation, 80% of the conversations that I was having were with, you know, dads in cargo shorts and tube socks going, have you ever seen Bigfoot? Huh? You know, yeah. like that was, it was like most of my conversations and it's like, or I was talking to like the less well-adjusted subset of the Bigfoot community where the, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, I know what you right. mean. <laughs> so it was like really frustrating at first, but then I just start, like things started to pile up. And by 2018, I had basically drank the Kool-Aid. Mm, okay. Know? Yep. <laughs> you crossed over. Flavor Aid. Flavor Aid. Let it, me correct yep, myself. It was okay. not Kool-Aid. It was not, it was not Kool-Aid. I drank the Flavor Aid. Um, but the, uh, I had, so I started to like look at it because the, the demographic that I was mostly interested in were the people that had no skin in the Bigfoot game. Mm -hmm. You know? the people who told me stories and they're like, you're going to think I'm crazy, mm -hmm. but I saw this thing and I don't know what to make of it. Right. You know? So I started being less dismissive at least of, of all of that 
back then. Um, well, then by 2020, you know, I was I was like kind of ready to go, you know, get more into it. So I did that first video, and it like immediately became the most viewed video on the YouTube channel. Like, I, and I think the last time I checked, it had like 1.2 million views, which is oh like wow, insane. To and that's me. spooky like, Bigfoot, is, right? Or sp- yeah, 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 the spooky, spooky. I didn't name it. I, yeah, that was I know. Not my that's name, the marketing that's, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I didn't name it, but uh, the uh, so that one had like 1.2 million views or something. Which I always joke, I'm like, it's one person who's really into it. Just watching <laughs> yeah, over and over, and over plays on repeat. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, where the Patterson Gimlin film's coming oh. out of your eyes. There's it's your video. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's funny because like I so I'm I'm friends with uh. I'm friends with the guys from Sasquatch Tracks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever if you've ever had a chance to chat with them. They're they're not pretty fun guys. You should, we'll hit you them should up. Talk to them. Sometime. We'll hit them up. Yeah, you should talk, all three of them. Like all, Mike is great because Micah does all that. You know, he does the Micah Hanks program and he does all mm. the all the Fortean and all the UAP stuff and all the Bigfoot. You know what I mean? He's That's into awesome. everything. But they, the other two, Dakota, like Smokey and Jeff, they're both like really skilled field people and really like they're both you should talk to all three of them you know uh the, yeah they're great so i'm friends with those guys and they they always joke they're like you know we go to bigfoot conferences and people come up to our table because you're hanging out mm-hmm. and chat with you about these youtube you know these odnr video and i'm like well you're primarily an audio media first of all <laughs> yeah so everybody saw the mustache with the videos but it is it is weird <laughs> you know it is so weird uh, that th- that was the video that everybody gravitated towards. <clears throat> so, uh, so we did that video, and it became so popular that spring of 2021, we decided to do a four-part series. Um, mm. Where I, and I try to be when I approach things, when I approach any sort of e- uh, education, I try to be really telescopic. So I start really broad and narrow it down mm-hmm. if I can, possibly to your backyard, you know. Uh, I'm teaching a botany class right now at a at a community college, and I'm really trying to do, you know, global, right down to like what plants are on campus, you know. Yeah. That so that's that's kind of how I approach everything is trying to be telescopic. So I thought, well, this is a good opportunity. I did kind of broad strokes with the first video. I can hash it out and narrow it down to like who were the Bigfoot hunters, who who's doing the, you know, what evidence is there, like what. What are other perspectives? I even got a little into some of the woo stuff, not too much because I'm yeah. kind of a flesh and bone. I'm a flesh and bone, you know, mm-hmm. uh, nuts and bolts Bigfoot kind of guy, yeah. and yeah. not so much like a, you know, paranormal Bigfoot. But I still, it's a perspective that's out there, right? And I, you know, I mentioned it a little bit. Uh, I talked to. It was funny before I started talking to podcasters pretty regularly. Uh, I, uh, I actually caught like cold called Laura Krantz. Cause I listened to her series wild thing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I, so I like, I just called her, I found her contact information and I'm like, well, I got it. I, I liked this. This is not, this is not like a hardcore, uh, she's not making a case for anything. Mm-hmm. It's more of like a historical account and, mm-hmm. you know, up to modern times. So I actually interviewed her for one of the videos, like had her, you know, on, uh, I think she lives in Colorado or something. So it was, you know, virtual, but yeah. still I had her, I had her on for one of the videos. Um, I talked, got to talk to Don Keating. Mm-hmm. Um, so Don Keating and, uh, Dave Wickham, he's one of our local researchers. He's actually the guy that supplies me with all, a lot of the, um, materials that I, 
that I have. And if you if you stop by our table at the OBC, the big white Bigfoot that we had, uh, the big Bigfoot bust mm-hmm. that was that's actually Dave's. That's uh, his his Bigfoot um, bust that's inspired from a white Bigfoot that was spotted in Woodbury Wildlife Area. Um, that's why it's a you know. It's yeah. not a Yeti. It's a, it's a white Bigfoot. Right. Um, but the, uh, so I got, you know, I interviewed those, them for one of the videos. Um, so we did those four part videos. I did another one, uh, but we had some technical issues. No one could actually view it like mm. while we were doing it, but we got a, uh, we had to post it later. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't like you could log on and view it. We had some technical issues, but I did another one on like native American, uh, native American belief, uh, around Bigfoot, you know, around Bigfoot-like animals. Yeah. Uh, so I worked I work with our cultural resources person to build that. Um, and he supplied me with a lot of good uh, tips and things. But that's that one was, I bet off more than I could chew because you could write your thesis on one, oh my you know, gosh. you could write a thesis on one Native American, like, belief system around yeah. Bigfoot. You know what I mean? Let alone trying to get five or six of the major cultural groups in North America, like, yeah, it's I mean, impossible. I really bit off more than I could. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a really challenging one. Um, but the, uh, yeah, so we did those, and, uh, man, they blew up, you know. Oh, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they blew up. And it, and I joke, uh, actually, the Sasquatch Tracks dudes, um, Micah jokes, he calls me Whistleblowing John. Because <laughs> right, right after, right after they, uh, right after that posted some, some YouTuber somewhere uh, posted something saying like the government finally comes clean you know, <laughs> and admits it. And like, there's a picture, there's a screenshot from one of my videos, Yeah, you know? And I'm like, well, he didn't watch the video nope. at all. You know, <laughs> like if he, you know, he didn't watch the video. Cause not, not no point do I say, yeah, this is real. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's right. a, it's a, you know, and then everything that I do elsewhere is, is that's on me. That's my mm-hmm. personal time. You right. Know, like even talk, talking to you, you guys, this yeah. is my, you know, this is on my personal time. And I, and I, I like do a disclaimer on all those videos saying like, you know, if, uh, this is me personally talking at this moment, you know what I mean? Right. This is my personal opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that that's interesting. I've been accused of being the one that like let the the big hairy bipedal cat out of the bag, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't. Um, that's. <laughs> but what I always try to tell people is, uh, I use this as an educational tool. Mm-hmm. You know, this is as a naturalist. If you're in an area, you use the resources that are in your area as educational tools. You know, mm-hmm. if you're uh, if you're a ranger at Mammoth Cave, you're you're going to be doing cave tours, right? That's, you know what I mean? Yes. If like that's your so I'm a naturalist at a part of Ohio that is historically a Bigfoot hotspot. So it it is silly to not use that, right? You know, as an educational tool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I primarily my primary goal with all of this is to use utilize it as an educational tool. You know, if I can inspire a kid to get outside and become a naturalist, you know, become a wildlife biologist, become a, you know, ecologist, if it's because they wanted to go out and spend time out in nature looking for Bigfoot, it's a win, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. And more power to them uh, because one of the, I think as we 
talked about a little bit before we went on, you know, mm-hmm. one of the shortcomings of the Bigfoot community is like n- not having a good grasp on ecology or oh natural gosh, resources yeah. all the time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, you get that laser beam focus where you're focused on one thing, you know, you're focused on finding evidence of this one animal uh, and you kind of miss everything. I mean, we, we always talk about my, the people that I, do this stuff with we always talk about like if you go out looking for bigfoot every time you're going to be sorely disappointed yeah mm-hmm. like if that's the only if that's the only time you get out in the woods you know is looking for you're going to be disappointed every time right yeah. now if you go out if you go out to learn things you know you're going to be it doesn't matter what you see out there you're not going to be disappointed you mm-hmm. know um and that's that's sort of uh how i use this like people come to and i always ask if, if you come to a bigfoot hike I always say, okay, how many of you, there might be 75. I think our record was 350. Oh my wow. Showed up for hike, which is not a manageable number. No, that's, that's a lot. Man. Yeah. I have backed, I have backed way off on the promotion of the Bigfoot <laughs> stuff. Like, because when it like 75 is, it's getting unmanageable. 350. Right. I'd, you know what I mean? But if, uh, no, like, so if I get 75 people there and I say, how many of you would come on a tree hike with me? I'll get like, Three people I was going to say, like, mm-hmm. two, three. You know I mean? mm-hmm. Yeah, two, three people that raise their hands. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. But you guys are going to learn a little bit about trees today. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sneak I it caught in. you. I've tricked, I've tricked you into, yep. yeah, right? I've tricked <laughs> you into learning about owls and flying squirrels and lightning bugs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you're going to learn about all this stuff and Bigfoot stuff, too, you know? Um, so it is. I try to use it as an educational tool. Now, my personal interest in it is a little different. Like I have, I have a personal interest in this sort of stuff. Um, and it, it kind of goes back, you know, even when I was a kid, I had, I had an interest in, like everyone goes through a phase when, where they're interested in like the Loch Ness monster mm-hmm. and ghosts right. and aliens and stuff, you know, well then I got to college and got all like educated and skeptical, you know what I mean? And like got a little cynical about it, you know? But then as I got older, I, uh, I found myself kind of returning like, wow, you know, um, and part of that is actually getting involved in like the, you know, the academic things where it's like, well, well, people are afraid to take risks because they're worried about tenure, you right. know, mm-hmm. right. Think, think of how much science is lost just because you're worried about losing your tenure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We talk about it all the time. Yeah. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah. So like people who maybe could really, you know, like the field of cryptozoology could really benefit, you know, a lot. People are not engaging in it because they're worried about what what it's going to do to their credibility. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and it's like, well, you know, I think I think in 2022, so many taboos from so many different things have been stripped away already mm-hmm. that I think if you if you're doing Bigfoot research, that's probably the least crazy thing you could be doing with your time. Right. You know what I mean, like one, like that's like you, you know, it's not really a taboo anymore. That sort of thing. Like that sort of thinking is not really a, a, a taboo anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're, I think that train's kind of left the station now. I think we're kind of, you know, changing our direction a little bit when it comes to that. But um, I started thinking more about that and just the number of people who had no skin in the Bigfoot game that I talked to, you know, that stuff really started to kind of stick with me. Mm-hmm. So I got more into it, got more into my wife has always been very into uh, UFO, UAP, um, stuff like that, you know, um, 
so she she was very into that when we met. Um, so this, you know, we sort of like I sort of returned to that s- type of thinking as I got older. I kind of returned to like, well, this is definitely a possibility, and there's good there's good evidence and good citizen science being done out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there actually is good, reliable research being done out there. And if, if they don't find anything, that's still, I mean, you've, you've worked as a research biologist, right. you know, sometimes you don't find anything and that's still a result, right? Like that's still a result. Like right. we, we kind of lose, you don't have to have something in your head. You know, sometimes a species isn't there, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's not there. It's still a result, you know, um, so some, like, as long as you're adhering to like good scientific principles and methods, you know, not finding something is also a result. Exactly. And I think we kind of lose sight of that too, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, and it, I talk about it with salt work all the time. Like could be salt work might be overfished, you mm-hmm. know, you've got, you've got, we're going on almost 20 years, almost 30 years of like Bigfoot groups coming all summer long right. and researching, you know what I mean? I'm always very skeptical about somebody that sh- gives me any audio at Salt Fork. Uh, Cause it's like, well, how do I know this isn't like, okay, so you're from, you're from this research group. How do I know it's not the research group from, from Pennsylvania yeah, that's on standing, the next bridge stop? Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like how, how do we know that we can't for sure say now I'm going to, I'm going to say this. And then when I get to like my, the closest thing that I have to an experience, it's all audio. Yeah. But anyway, we'll, uh, we'll get, we'll get to that. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm, you know, it could be that salt work is a little overfished. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, that, that is a possibility, but that said, if you look at, if you look at the Eastern part of the state, um, the whole Eastern part of the state is really, really wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, it's really, it's getting to the point where it's very heavily forested. You know, bobcats are now common Mm -hmm. they're not you know bobcats and black bear are now they're not it's it doesn't make the newspaper when they're sightings anymore. you know it used to be it when i was growing up there was a there was a bobcat i was probably 14 and there was a bobcat hit on 70 and i i remember it made like the front page of the newspaper you know Mm -hmm. how 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 on earth does roadkill make the front page of the newspaper right yeah um but you know it was a big deal because bobcats hadn't been spotted for so long long. And it was one of those things where if you told your buddies that you saw a bobcat where you were out squirrel hunting, they said you were nuts, mm-hmm. you know? Well, now I see them once a week, you know, going yeah. to work, leaving work. Like I see them all the time. You know, my kids see them going to work. Like I've got my stepdaughter works out at the lodge and, you know, she sees them going to work, coming to work. Like the first one she, she saw, she had to ask me, she's like, I saw this weird cat, you know? And it's like, well, you know, that's, they're here now. Mm-hmm. So the whole eastern part of the state is really wild and really you know rewilded yeah Um, yeah so so uh you know bears bobcats things like that are much more common so i would say that it's not just salt work it's the whole eastern part of the state is quote unquote squatchy yeah i'd agree with that Mm -hmm. you know the whole eastern part of the state has that habitat and that's i try to look uh you know i try to look at everything uh as holistic as possible um and I, sometimes I will, I will like literally start from the ground up when I'm talking about this sort of research and things I say, like, you know, soils are sort of a cheat code out in the natural world. Like if you can learn how to read soil profiles, 
you can predict the plant communities that are that are going to be mm-hmm. there. If you learn plant communities, you can learn the animal communities that are going to be there. You know, hmm. you can learn everything starting from the ground up. Well, I mean, Eastern Ohio, we have we have the plant communities, the the plenty of shelter, plenty of water. You know, this is a wet, like wild, w- wooded area. You know, uh, there's plenty of hiding spaces for something, you know, undiscovered to live. Right. If if they, you know. If it's out there, I could totally see it being here. You know, mm-hmm. um, I could definitely see it being being here. Um, and there are places that I, you know, that I haven't been to even at the park. I mean, you know, set, almost twenty thousand acres of land. That's a lot of land, right? To cover you know, there, it's a giant park. There are places that still surprise me out there. I mean, um, and that's we've owned, we've owned this farm outside of Cambridge for. I don't know. We, we bought it back in April and we haven't, haven't quite moved in yet, but I mean, there are, there are parts of, it's just 20 acres and there are parts of it that I haven't really fully explored mm-hmm, yet. Mm-hmm. I've been there less than a season. You know, I don't know that land. I know salt pork better than I know my own land. Right. <laughs> right. You know, at this, you know, um, so you, you know, we take that for granted whenever, I, and I'm, that's on the flip side of being skeptical, you know, I'm skeptical of the Bigfoot research, some of the Bigfoot mm-hmm. research being done. You know, but on the flip side of that, the people who like shoot down a lot of the Bigfoot evidence, I'm skeptical about their claims, too, because yeah. they say I've, I've hunted out here for 40 years and I've never seen anything. Right. Well, that means absolutely nothing. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. That statement means absolutely nothing. You know, like holds less water than even the shakiest Bigfoot <laughs> evidence. Right. You know yeah. I mean, like, because if you go to the same, you know, 500 yards of woods every year. And that's where you take your deer at. You can, you know, you come down for one week a year, every, every year for 40 years that, you know, that's the only like segment of the park that you've seen. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and that guy, it doesn't just apply here. It applies everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like when you get the, when you get the people that are like, well, I've, you know, I've, uh, I've hunted and fished this land for 40 years. Well, that, that doesn't, you, you're saying that there's absolutely nothing out there that can surprise you. Right. Like you've seen every, single thing you know right so like, i'm always skeptical of that too you know like i'm always really well like you're just you know that it really means nothing that statement means nothing mm-hmm. you know yeah so i mean that's kind of where i'm at i, I guess that's it's a little tangential <laughs> no it's we <laughs> but, go on tangents constantly that's this whole podcast just so you know half our yeah, show is right. usually a tangent <laughs> right i, I I've, li- I've listened to i tried to listen to a few of your back episodes yeah um you're the last couple of weeks um kind of in preparation for this and i'm like oh i'm gonna get along with these guys great like this is you know they go they go off on side quests all yep. the time. you know i'm like <laughs> yep. i'm definitely uh i'm definitely gonna get along with these guys <laughs> but especially just bigfoot itself a lot of things enter uh intertwine with it and then both yeah, of your right. guys's backgrounds being were you were, were you naturalists right I was fishery biologist fishery biologist it's close similar similar yeah. yes yeah. but yeah. both you and I think this is where I have my most interest is you make all these like little connections, just the everyday animals and everyday things out in the environment that we do know about, that we do know exist, and we do know how they work and function. And there's ways how Bigfoot interweaves in and out of all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's fun listening to you guys talk about the, those sort of things, make those connections. Well, yeah, and making those connections is really important. You know, mm-hmm. like you yeah. well, being a fisheries biologist you know, stream quality monitoring. Oh yeah. Like if you look like, so you can take a look, 
you can do one dip net, mm-hmm. you know, or one scene. Take a look at the the invertebrate community, community, yep, and immediately know well, the health of that stream. Exactly, you know, like you can, you know, that sort of thing applies to every, you know, yeah, every. If you're going to be outside, if you're going to be doing things, you know, that's. I always tell people like hunting has changed so much. You know, hunting and like uh, game hunting, you know, has changed so much because now now you can go out. Like, I mean, you've seen the camouflage that yep. people have. I don't know that deer have evolved during the time that we've been hunting. I don't know that they have evolved to, like, notice humans more, mm-hmm. you know? I think they're they're pretty used to humans at mm-hmm. this point, you know? Uh, and if you look back, I mean, Fred Bear was hunting in a red plaid shirt. Right. You know? Like... I think we've just gotten maybe a little lazy when it comes to like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we, we want to have that extra edge yeah. as a predator, which is fine. I mean, that's, that's totally, that's totally okay too. I yeah. get it. But you know, like, um, you know, I don't know, like, I mean, we've just gotten, we, we haven't gotten as good at, you know, we've gotten less good at reading the environment and reading the landscape. Right. Now, now we want to have no smell, no, you know, no outline, we want to be in a full camo outfit, you know, and basically line weight predators as opposed to like stalking predators, right. you know, um, you know, uh, well, if you look at, you know, hunting, like hunting shows from the fifties and sixties, you know, like the, the dudes were in slacks and, you know, they were using a stick bow and they were in slacks and a plaid shirt mm-hmm. and a fedora. You know what I mean? Yeah. And most, of them, yeah. most of them were like chain smoking. They just weren't worried about it because they were up when, you know, mm-hmm. like they, so they, they knew how to read an, a landscape and they knew how to read an environment to go into and find what, you know, find what they were looking for. Right. You know, and uh, I don't think we do that as much now where we're, mm-hmm. we're not making those connections, you know, as far as hunters go. And I'm a hunter. I'm not, I'm not bashing hunters. No, you know? I don't I'm, think you are. I'm, I don't get that. I'm not, I'm a hunter myself and I use camo. Most of my camo comes from the thrift store. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. most, because I'm like, you know, I'm like cheap. And in Southern Ohio, you have lots of camo in thrift stores. Yes. So, yeah. it's, you know, you'd be, you'd be silly not to, <laughs> right. not to use it, but you know, um, you know, I, I don't know that we make those connections anymore uh, as well. Like it, for instance, I always talk about, I raise chickens. We mm-hmm. were talking before we started, you, you said you were a poultry advisor. Yes. Uh, we raise chickens. Uh, we, we call to the, in my house, 2019 was the year of the raccoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, because we, we could not keep, I mean, I don't know how many raccoons I trapped that year, like mm-hmm. trying to get into the chicken coops. we never, I never had that problem before. haven't had it since, hmm. you know, uh, it wasn't until that fall that I realized why we were having such a problem with raccoons. Like it was late that fall. There's a trail near my house, uh, an old railroad bed that they'd turned into a bike trail, a rail mm-hmm. trail system. Hmm. Uh, they had cut back everything on either side, all of the berry bushes that were mm. right up to the edge of the trail, they had brush hogged everything back the whole length of the trail. Everything mm. had got brush hogged back. So it was nice and clean, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful trail. I love the trail to death. I uh, take my kids on it. It's a great trail. Right. But um, they had brush hogged everything back. So there were no berries. Mm-hmm. There, were, there was no, you know, there was no like soft mass for these animals. You know what I mean? Yep. So they came into the nearest town and, oh, wow, there's a KFC. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. They like, will find food. Yeah, right. They'll find food. And I never had problems with it before. See, and I just wasn't making that connection. I'm like, what on earth is going on with these raccoons, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, 
why why am I getting raccoons everywhere? I mean, literally my front porch, you know, one night I heard some <laughs> clatter and I've got a family on my front porch, you know, <laughs> never had that problem before. And, uh, and I, you know, it wasn't until later that it dawned on me. I'm like, well, their food source was completely eradicated. Taken away. Yeah. yeah. You know, like a, food, a, a seasonal food source that they would normally be using during that time of year was just gone, you know, and, uh, they had to find other ways to survive. So, you know, even I'm guilty of not making those connections yeah. until after the fact, you know, until I've lost like multiple chickens, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but the, uh, yeah, that, so it's, uh, it is really important. Making those connections out and out in nature is really important. Like, uh, everyone talks about, you know, the, the silence that falls when a Bigfoot sighting happens, you know, everything yeah. quite, even the bugs got up. And I'm like, well, what other things causes that? That doesn't, you know, it yeah. doesn't mean like, could the atmospheric pressure have dropped momentarily? You know, mm-hmm. like, couldn't, like, maybe we're overthinking things a little bit too, mm-hmm. you know, like not everything has to be, you know, has to be Bigfoot. You yes. Know? Oh right. Gosh, but then correct. sometimes it's right. Yeah. Not everything has to be Bigfoot, but also, you know, what if we're overlooking crucial, crucial connections that could be valuable, could be valuable evidence. What if we're overlooking crucial, you know, crucial things? Um, I mean, there, there are lots of reports of, Bigfoot chasing deer, mm-hmm. you know, you, you hear those reports and sometimes they're on all fours. You know, we've got, we've got like a really kind of creepy report from, uh, just outside of the park. Um, the spider about a, crawl. A, yeah. Doing the spider crawl after, oh. you know, like fast. Yeah. It's super creepy. Wait, you what, know, after deer. what happened? Don't worry about it. Uh, so, I'm just picking on. So, oh, okay. <laughs> no, yeah, go ahead. I have so, not like, heard about this. So there are like reports of Bigfoot, sort of transitioning from a full bipedal run to an all fours sort of spider crawl. Okay. Run, you know, go like flat. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of, you can kind of picture it like, Oh yeah. How, how you would. Yeah. I kind of uh, imagine Spider-Man it, walking up a building, but see, on kinda, the ground and sprinting. Have you, ever, have you ever seen like Lord of the Rings, the original, you know, like the felt like I, I always kind of yeah. imagine it like the goblins, you know what I mean? When, there you when go. The, like the goblins come out of Moria. Yeah. And they're like climbing. You know, that's kind of what I always, now imagine an 800 pound Bigfoot my... chasing you like that. Yeah. No, yeah, right. no thanks. Yeah. So super, super creepy. But, um, <laughs> one thing that's always s- stood out, you know, for me with that is like, so there's an economy in nature mm-hmm. where you don't chase things that aren't going to give you the same caloric return yeah. as, as you spent chasing it, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, like a, the same or greater caloric return, you know, you just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't do. And we forget that animals sometimes ha- get skunked. You know, yeah. we, we don't really think about a lion missing, you know, a gazelle. Right. Like we don't really think about, you know, but it happens all the time. It's just, it's just the way of things, you know, that's natural selection. It happens more often than not. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because they it don't. happens way more, way more often than not, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and that is natural selection. You know, if you're not a good hunter, you, you die, mm-hmm. How, you know, you don't get food. That's the, yeah, you don't get food. You don't get to pass on those bad hunter genes. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yep. That's the, um, so, so, you know, there is a whole economy in nature and it seems silly to me that an animal that we can pretty safely assume if it exists, it takes an awful lot of calories to mm-hmm. keep, you know, keep, mm-hmm. the, keep the wheels a rolling, you know, um, it seems silly to me that they would spend calories chasing an animal like a deer, a really fast animal when there are 16,000 deer car strikes. Yeah every year in Ohio 
which means the the highways are proverbial buffets of venison. There's a lot of food that you don't have to do anything for. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. food. And, you know, it would make way more sense to me if these things would pop out of the woods, sling a roadkill doe over their shoulder and pop back into the woods, Mm -hmm. you know, to enjoy it back, you know, back in their their den. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? Uh, that would make a lot more sense to me than one actually chasing and spending calories. You know, not only spending it, but a deer is something to be tangled with, you know. They're not easy um, to kill. No, I always talk, I always tell, you know, it, it's kind of a joke. I'm like, man, people freak out if a spider, you know, <laughs> comes down in the shower houses while they're taking a shower or a <laughs> snake crawls up in front of them, you know. But they will readily walk up to a 120-pound deer with a handful of carrots. You know, a <laughs> yeah. wild 120-pound deer with a handful of carrots. I mean, deers can mess you up. Mm-hmm. You know, like a, a deer can – I not to – I mean, this just shows you how, like, statistics can be manipulated. But, you know, mm-hmm. I would say the most dangerous animal in Ohio. <laughs> you know what well, I mean? They do kill the most um, people. They do kill the most people, you know. Yeah. Uh, now, that that's all contextual. Car you know accidents I mean? and everything, but, yeah. But still, you know. Uh, a most dangerous animal in Ohio. So I think, um, I don't know. I'm always a little, I kind of always sort of am a little skeptical when I'm like, well, if you find a deer kill and its head's twisted a funny way, it maybe it wasn't a Bigfoot twisting its head off. You know, maybe it was a coyote, a coyote, you know, tugging on it. Yeah. Into like, you know, um, because to me, it was like, like, I mean, if I had to survive, actually like survive i mean you know we try to eat a lot of our own meat Mm -hmm. that we grow you know and we try to source all of our own meat at the house whether it's whether it's like wild meat or you know i try to like sustainably source a lot of our meat we raise a lot of chickens you know a lot Mm -hmm. of meat chickens every year but if i had like survived to the point where like we could not find food i mean you can bet a fresh deer in the bed of the truck oh yeah it's free food like it is free food. I mean, I did that in college. We lived in a really bad turn in college, and we would we would pick up deer that had got hit, you know, mm-hmm. on that on that turn. If they were fresh, we were they were going in the freezer, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I'm not above that at all, <laughs> and I, I can't imagine that any reasonable, you know, any reasonably intelligent animal would be above that. So uh, um, what, one thing I kind of want to get your thoughts on, we talked about it on another <laughs> show. Well, you know Eric from Uncomfortable. You've been on there, right? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, we talked about it on his show. Uh, I have a friend that does black bear surveys up in Michigan and most, so like 40% of their diets, protein, 60% is plant nutrient. Mm -hmm. So out of that 40% protein, almost 30% is small animals such as frogs. Like black bears literally just go down river creeks and just eat frogs all day because it's easy and there's a ton of them. And a thing I think that the Bigfoot people really miss is that kind of stuff. You know, your, your 800 pound Sasquatch doesn't have to eat a deer it doesn't need to no. do it. There's so many calories that are small, but a lot more readily available and easier right. to grab. What if you think if you think about when cicadas emerge? Oh my gosh, yeah. You know, like when the 17 years of cicada emerges, mm-hmm. everything eats them. Mm-hmm. Squirrels eat them. Mm-hmm. You know, herbivores are eating cicadas yep. when they emerge because mm-hmm. they're they're readily available calories that you don't have to work for. You know. I mean, have you ever eaten them? They're actually they're actually tasty. I've eaten some bugs. You know? I haven't eaten cicadas though, but I believe no it. cicadas are great, man. You they're they're great. They're healthy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I make them as unhealthy as possible. You know, dip yep. them in fat. And, and fry them. <laughs> yeah, we've, still, we've done they're... that with June bugs to make popcorn. Yeah, what? yeah, they're like they're yeah. delicious. You know? Oh yeah. Jay refuses um, to eat I mean, bugs. 
Oh, well. I've, yeah. eaten, I've I mean, eaten a worm before, but, like, that was I'll point. draw the line at bugs. <laughs> but, the uh, but you know, like, everything eats them. Mm-hmm. You know, every fish that you catch, every fish yep. you catch during a cicada, you know, emerges. Has cicadas in it. At, and, and, like, gorged with cicadas, you know. Um, so I, I would not imagine that a, a Bigfoot would, like, oh, I'm going to pass up these readily available, easy-to-catch, you know, mm-hmm. insects for a perfectly healthy deer. Right. You know, that I'm going to have to chase down and, and even like their or plan to catch. And yeah. I, would, I, would, I would imagine that I don't know what their digestive system is like, and I'm not willing to, like, speculate, but I, I can't imagine. There's got to be some level of processing that happens with it, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's even just peeling hide off. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't imagine that they're 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 going to digest uh, just the hair and the fibrous tissue and stuff like they're, you know, they're most likely going to ha- have to somehow process it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I mean, you know, if there are readily available bugs or like you said, frogs, tons and tons of frogs where they're just going down river and catching frogs and crayfish, you yeah. know, and that's what they're getting their protein. Yeah. Why not? I think you a know? lot of people ignore so- that, that there are small, <clears throat> there's protein available everywhere mm-hmm. that you don't have to, Right. kill a deer every three days or whatever you know there's yeah. all kinds of other sources yeah. of protein i think I, what i think I, I think i've heard you know i think i've heard john uh what mines mineszinski am i saying that right do you know who i'm talking about i'm not he sure the, he was a he was a he's a wildlife biologist that had a bigfoot experience and sort of became a uh okay became a bigfoot researcher yep. Um, but he's got good, I mean, he did, he did research on, uh, rams and elk and bear, like grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's, he actually had the idea. I'm pretty sure it was him. He had the idea that maybe they do like maggot farms even where they, they take dead animals and they'll go back and revisit that, you know, that dead animal. Mm. So uh, to actually collect invertebrates off of it, you know, I can see that, which would make also would make sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that's a whole that's almost getting into that sort of like proto culture, you know, that's yeah. it's like a whole nother level of like intelligence, you yep. know, mm-hmm. uh, outside of just instinct. But I mean, I don't know. I, well, you know, what's to say that that's not a, you know, that's yeah. not a method for gaining protein out in that, you know, for collecting protein out in out, out in the wild. I could definitely see it. I mean, we, we, yeah, you'd seen it in probably oceans. Like octopus are probably smart enough to do something not in the oh. ocean to do something like that. But well, we talked about their hunting bald eagles now. Just on the yeah, did you see that? I didn't. Giant Pacific octopus. There's a colony now. They're hunting bald eagles out in California. <laughs> they're catching a fish and they're waving it on the surface like Baiting, it's swimming. Baiting bald eagles. Yeah, right? and then the that's, bald eagle grabs it and then great. they pull them down and they start eating the bald eagles. Wow. Uh, yeah. Jeez. So imagine there's all kinds of intelligence out there, right? Like yeah. so something yeah, right. Bigfoot scale that we can, something that is evading, uh, I don't know, human contact for so long. It's got to be. It's reasonably intelligent. Reasonably intelligent, yeah. Yeah, I, heck yeah. I mean, it's not being found. You know, yeah. mountain, mountain to, lions are notoriously hard to track, and and making like a maggot are, farm out of a deer that doesn't seem yeah, too out of the, I don't know, the no, range no, for no, that. No, no. That's point A and to point it, B. You know, and also, if you look at like the uh, like the nesting sites out in the Olympic Peninsula, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. If those are in fact, you know, uh, primate nesting sites, mm-hmm. they're laid out in a strategic manner. Yeah, they're not. They're not. You know what I mean. They're not laid out in a chaotic, you know, fashion. They're not laid out. They, there is some thought that went, you know, and even some evidence that there's some sort of hierarchy, you know, 
uh, with the way that they're laid out. Yeah. So I, like yeah, I mean, if, if this, if the, yeah, right. If, if, uh, if it indeed is out there, it, I think it's at least, uh, moderately intelligent animal. You mm-hmm. know? Have you, so um, that just made me think of something. Sorry. I, we hop around yeah, too. Yeah. That's how we work. Yeah, I got it. Uh, good. Have good. you ever seen the actual what people speculate are like the you know the Ohio grass man how it gets name but the, the grass nest? I I've seen pictures of them. Yeah, I've never seen one. No one's ever brought me to one. So mm. I got to see one when I was in hockey. And I was telling Jay about this the other episode. Is that you cannot? It's not like huge, but we were in a grass yeah. field, and you could not see into this cavity from the outside. Right. But you were on the inside, and you could see and hear everything. And you had to ca- yeah. crawl into it. So one of the guys was saying that it looked like it was like woven to form it. And, you know, it could just all be accidental stuff. But I don't know if it is or isn't. But that is always something that interests me that you could, if you can create something like that, if you were smart enough to create something like that, yeah. You hikers, hunters, rock right past you. Yeah. Never know you yeah. were there. I mean, in a trail cam. Sure, mm-hmm. you can. You know, if you're smart, you can probably evade a trail camera. You know what I mean. So we had a, a like, Crypticon last year. A biologist out of, I think it was Maine, for mountain lions, or was it? I can't remember where he was out of, but he was talking about why they have so much trouble that they could kind of see the infrared trip laser. The the yeah the infrared yeah yep the uh, yeah and um, I mean I was just talking to this I was I was talking to some friends about this too you know. Uh, also, the like the smell from the lithium batteries. Yeah, I've heard that. And then the wine. I mean? right. all, all batteries yeah. have a little wine. And if you're that uh-huh. smart to avoid people in general, yeah, anything that's strange, you're going to avoid too. That's like never been right. one yeah. to <clears throat> bother me about Absolutely. the trail camera picture stuff. And you didn't think yeah. they'd know that's associated with us, like human beings? Oh, they're called the watchers for a reason. Right. They see right. you stick that in that <laughs> tree. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, some of the some of the names. Sorry, not to no, get sidetracked. We do I mean, this all the time. Some of the names are just are are the the creepiest. I remember I was I was doing a little Bigfoot camp out solo once, mm-hmm. and I called up a researcher, a friend of mine, and uh, this is kind of in my like early early Bigfoot days. And he says, uh, he's like, yeah, just keep an ear out for campsite walkers. And I'm like, yeah, could you campsite not campsite like, walkers? You know, yeah. I'm like, could you not like the walkers? Like, uh, could you not? Like, I don't need to be thinking about you. Know? <laughs> um, like, uh, yeah. Or what? Th- Thomas Powell had a. There's a book, The Locals. Mm-hmm. You ever read that? The you know that's a that's a good Bigfoot book. Uh, to get the it. Locals. And, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, it's a it's a good one. It gets in a, a little into the paranormal stuff, mm-hmm. but it's it's still it's still a pretty good book. I mean, they're they're all you know you got you got to take what you, you got to have cherry pick you yeah. know what you. Mm-hmm. want to include in your so but it's a it's a good book um but yeah the uh i i think that's a perfectly good you know hypothesis that they're intelligent enough to evade you know capture on trail camera you know like feet and as far as like I, you know i've seen animals mm-hmm. that surprise me enough to where my first thought is not I'm going to grab my camera and take a picture of this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, it surprised me enough, and I've been fascinated enough that I, my first instinct was not, I need to reach for my phone. You know, it was, I've got to keep looking at this animal mm-hmm. because, I, you know, this is the first time that I've seen this, mm-hmm. you know. So if I can, I can also definitely see, like, first off, the blurry images, mm-hmm. okay? I mean, now, don't get me wrong. I look all day long, I look at blurry shadowy blobs outlined in red on someone's phone. Yeah. Okay. Loop you know pictures. I mean? Like all, yeah, 
all the the blob squatch is mm-hmm. alive and well out there. Mm-hmm. Like I look at I look at shadowy blobs all day long, you know. Mm-hmm. But if one walked out of the, I mean, I'm not a great photographer anyway, you know. That was I, I like. But if one walked out of the woods in front of me while I was out for just a day hike, or I was out looking for snakes or something, uh, I don't know that I could take a great picture of it. I don't you know? think I could. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think that I could take a great picture of it. You know. Um, so yeah, I can totally see why there might be a bunch of blur. Now, sometimes it is just a tree stump. It happens. In the wood. You know, sometimes it is a shadowy blob. Mm-hmm. Like, I think sometimes if you have to outline it in red <laughs> on your phone, maybe it's, you know what I mean? Like, I'm this vi- is what you're supposed to, don't look at anything else. This is what you're supposed to be looking at. Right. You know but, what I mean? I'm very skeptical of any hula hoop picture we get shown. Right. Hula hoop picture. Yeah. I like that. That's what you call it? Picture. Yeah. Oh, I want to share on there's a YouTube channel I watch and this guy he does like you know kind of goes in the woods talks about Bigfoot and stuff but he does it different he doesn't put any digital displays on the screen he'll literally hold up a piece of red uh, cardboard oh, yep, paper yep. <laughs> with in a circle and he'd hold it up to the screen real slow and circle the areas where he thinks the Bigfoot's right behind him oh it's that's a, fantastic do not mention the name of that YouTube channel I will not but it's the greatest thing ever yeah, that's <laughs> But, that's fantastic. Yeah, there's always yeah hula hoop pictures. I've always been skeptical of hula hoop pictures. If you have to yeah. outline it like that for me to see what you're talking about in this picture, yeah, then how did you see? Right, it? right, yeah. Or, or messing with the contrast. Oh like, yeah. That there are so many things that I just want to see the original of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like now I get it, like stabilizing in it because that's the thing with a lot of these. They don't get any better when you stabilize. Right. Them. Mm-hmm. You know, like Patty, she got better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When that when that was stabilized, like every time they do some special on TV, mm-hmm. you know, and they send it to a film expert, it just keeps it, it you know, it it just keeps sharpening the image, you know what yeah. I mean? I still don't know how I feel about Patty. Like I go I go both ways on that, you know, uh on that film. Like some days I, and that's how it is with the whole subject. Like some days I wake up and I'm like, Oh my god, what am I what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. You know, and then some days some days I wake up and I'm, I'm like, it's, it could totally exist. Yeah. You know, like it could totally, I, we went, we went to, uh, Wisconsin for our honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got, we got, a, we've been together forever, but we got married back in May. My wife and I mm-hmm. got married back in May and went to Wisconsin for our honeymoon. Uh, we actually went to Rhinelander, the home of the Hodag. The Hodag. Yeah, that was, we had, yeah, the Hodag store. Anybody that, you, you guys, everyone There's... needs to follow the Hodag store. There's one. Um, Where is he at, Jay? I don't. Somewhere on that right shelf there, back that there. Green head. I, I think. I think. Yeah. I think I see the Hodag. I think I see him. Oh, yep, he's down there. He's in. But yep. Yep. Right yep I think I see him. Yeah. 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 You, everyone needs to follow the Hodag store. Those guys are. The, the, he is amazing. Uh, the the Hodag store. The entire town of Rhinelander. The it's entire great. identity is the Hodag. Yeah. And it is fantastic. So we went up there and we did our we did a Hodag honeymoon. That was our. <laughs> that was actually our honor. Emily would kill me. That was <laughs> no, well, you know, you know what? It was actually my wife's idea because we, we spend a lot of time in Tennessee. We, uh, we backpack in Eastern mm-hmm. Tennessee quite a bit. Hmm. Um, and you know, it would have been it, like, we were kind of trying to decide on play. And it's like, well, we could go to Tennessee and spend, you know, a weekend up in the, uh, in a cabin, but we've been there and, uh, we, we actually met the, like we got, got to know the Hodag store, mm-hmm. you know, from cryptid con yeah and my wife just fell in love with it and she's like why don't we go to rhinelander so that's what we did and that yeah. was great but you know driving i that's the first time i'd ever been to wisconsin i've never 
I had never been to Wisconsin. Uh, and I mean, it was a cool trip, but once you get past Chicago and all the traffic, mm-hmm. it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really cool trip, but you know, Wisconsin is a wild place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of wild land up there. And I'm like the whole time we're driving up there. I'm like, well, yep. This Bigfoot's out here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's, yep. Yep. I bet he's over there. You know, like the entire, the entire, the entire trip. I'm it's like, like yep, driving to the UP. There. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Take back. I, but you know, we're sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. I, it's like, I've been driving to the UP and I'm like, there could be a mastodon, you know, 20 feet no. off this road yeah. and I wouldn't know it. I, Mm-hmm. I use that exact I use that exact example down here. I'm like with all the autumn olive, you know, and undergrowth that we have, you could hide a woolly mammoth right. in the woods yeah. down here and not find it. Yeah. You know? Um but yeah, we uh so yeah, um I don't know where we were going. We could start talking about hodags. Right, yeah, hodags. I I did want yeah, to say that I'm glad I'm not the only one that drives down the road and goes, Oh, there could be a Bigfoot hiding back. You in were there. just literally oh, doing yeah. that in Wisconsin right. two oh. weeks ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah. The exact scenario. Yeah, well, like, so, <laughs> so yeah, that's the uh when I um you know, some days I wake up and I'm like every every place I'm like, Well, this place looks squatchy. You uh-huh. know? Like this place this this could definitely have something here, you Potential. know. Yeah. But then again, I, I also have those days where I wake up and I'm like, Ah, I've got a Bigfoot hike tonight. <laughs> and it's going to be like this. I'm going to hear the same stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, same 40 you know, like, questions. What am, I doing? what am I doing? I used to like people used to, I used to be John the snake guy, mm-hmm. you know, like that was back when I, when I got out of college, like I'd made enough of a name for myself that it was like, Oh, call him up. He knows his, snake he knows his stuff. stuff about, and now it's like, you know, so some, some days I wake up and I'm like, Oh man, what am I, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's just, so I, I'm kind of like that with everything, and mm-hmm. Patty's no exception. Like I look at that film, and sometimes I'm like, "This is a dude in a suit," and the reason why he's walking funny is because he's got big, stupid rubber feet on. <laughs> you know, like that's like that's why. But then I'll think about it, and this is I, I talk about this with hoaxes. Yeah. You know, uh, there are some footprints that, let's face it, look like somebody was wearing mm-hmm. big, silly rubber feet. Yeah, you know, there are some yeah. some footprints that. You, you know, like they look like someone was wearing big, big rubber feet, mm-hmm. but then some of them are so darn good that it's like, you know, not to, I know I, I already pulled the Lord of the Rings card with the, uh, you know, and showed my like true nerd. Credentials. Right. Yep. <laughs> if you watch, if you watch like the special edition with all of the like wet a workshop special mm-hmm. features, you know, mm-hmm. when they were trying to figure out just how to make Hobbit feet look right on screen mm-hmm. and how to perform right. So they look like real feet, yeah. you know, they had like a warehouse full of discarded rubber feet, hmm. you know, that where they couldn't get them right. Like, so you're telling me that a hoaxer is taking enough time to, to do like anatomically correct, correct yeah. feet and go, you know what I mean? And then go stomp through the woods in Northern California. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere on that. So right, I have a big yeah. cast collection in the other room and I purposely keep, authentic fakes from that kind of stuff. Yeah. What, what I personally believe are actual authentic, you know, castings and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was, I always enjoy that game of showing people and be like, which one do you think this is? You know, mm-hmm. just to see, just to see what people think and stuff like that. Yeah. But, right. Um, so yeah, sometimes, you know, I go back and forth on Patty. I mean, you know, I, every, t- every time anybody does like an analysis on it, they, it always comes back inconclusive. It always comes back with like, well, cause nobody's going to say it's it a Bigfoot. Sure yeah, right, right. You know, but it, they they rarely come out and say like, 
Well, here we can clearly see a seam or a zipper. You know what I mean? Now, yeah. So um, we actually just did an episode on it. It won't. It'll come out uh, in a couple of weeks after recording this. Uh, so it'll come out before this podcaster time travel. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and we did the FBI analysis of it. And okay. one of the weirdest things is for me for the big selling point for Patty is that, and it came up in that analysis. It's the thumb twitches during the oh, walk. Oh yeah. But the yeah. arms are too long for it to be a guy in a suit, so they always thought it was an arm extended an extension that you see with some of these big or these big fake mm-hmm. suits, like the Godzilla would have yeah. some of the longer arms, like they'd hold a a post in there, mm-hmm. and they'd walk. Right. So there's a couple frames where Patty's thumb is twitching, moving, like an anatomical yeah. thumb, and yeah. that was the one that right. that was because I've been like you back and forth on it for years, but I think right. I finally got sold on it on that detail. That with all this stuff and the night, you know, in that time era, having all of that plus an anatomical hand, right? Yeah, and what I always tell people too is like that would be an entirely different story if it were two cowboys who were out, oh yeah, looking for a new fishing spot, yeah, instead of two cowboys out looking for Bigfoot. They mm-hmm. made, they were literally that's what we talked if, about in the episode. They literally were out making were two, a documentary on Bigfoot. Yeah, if it were two cowboys out looking for a new fishing and hunting spot or looking for a stray calf and happened across this thing and happened to have a camera, it'd be a totally different story. Mm -hmm. But two guys who went out looking for something and found what they were looking for, that makes it much, you know, it throws everything into, you know, into question. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a much, you know, much different situation. It's a hard one. Uh, But yeah, yeah, it is a hard one. It is a hard one. But Patty, you know, like Patty's the, she's the quintessential Bigfoot. Yeah. That's that is the I I can't I can't say that I have ever really completely dismissed Patty even on my like cynical skeptical days because I mean that's she's the you know she's, she's the, the Bigfoot mm-hmm. she's the Bigfoot you know so, um so going back to Salt Fork I know we're really bad with we're really bad with tangents on this show uh, we get comments no, about not. it but going back to Salt Fork uh, I know you kind of mentioned that you maybe had an experience. So we want to kind of touch on that and any recent sightings you may have got reported to you or that you know of. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So uh, I've, I've had two things that are the furthest away from like a smoking gun mm-hmm. uh, Bigfoot experience that you can have. Uh, so the first one uh, I've told, I've told virtually every like podcast I've mm-hmm. been on, but uh, you know, it's kind of a tradition at this point. So like my, uh, my wife's from Canton and yep. if you're familiar with Ohio, Canton's like kind of the nearest actual you know, what you would consider a city mm-hmm. to, to Cambridge, you know, like we're, we're kind of out in the boondocks here. Um, and Can- Canton's, if you go up 77, about 50 minutes, uh, Canton's, you know, a, a, an actual, like pretty sizable city with a good, right. like art district yeah. and things mm-hmm. like that. So my, my wife lived there when we, when we met, uh, she was living there. So when we started dating, I would go up there and we'd go see live music and go out to, you know, things like that. And, uh, when she would come down here, I would take her squirrel hunting. Cause that's how you date in Appalachia. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yep. Um, so, uh, we were out one day squirrel hunting. This would have been 2018 ish. Uh, we were out, um, squirrel hunting and I, I was sitting there all quiet and that we heard this just long, mournful moaning howl, you know, I mean this like, and, you know, long, like whatever did it had a set of pipes, you know? Hmm. Um, and 
she asked me, she, you know, she whispers, what was that? And I said, I really, I really don't know. You know, I can't, can't tell you not, it didn't, you know, wasn't a coyote. I'm pretty good at animal noises. You right. know, it wasn't a coyote. Mm-hmm. Like wasn't, you know, um, so we're in the car on our way, on our way home. And she's like YouTubing, you know, coyote sounds and bobcat sounds and fox sounds and bear, you know. And I said, hey, YouTube the Ohio Howl. Like, just pull, just pull up the Ohio Howl. So she plays it and she goes, well, what was that? And I'm like, well, allegedly it was a Bigfoot, like an Ohio Bigfoot. Yeah. You know, it was recorded in, in what, Columbiana County, you yep. know. Um, I'm like, you know, that's, and she's like, oh, that sounds exactly. And I'm like, I know it sounded, it sounded exactly wow. like what we heard, you know. And, uh, and now, now. Like on the on the other side of that, can I guarantee that there was not a research group the next ridge line over with right. a Bluetooth speaker? Playing you know what I mean? the exact Ohio cow. Playing the Ohio yeah. cow off of YouTube, you know. Can I guarantee that? No. But I mean I we heard something that I could not identify and it sounded pretty darn close to the Ohio Howl. Mm. You know. Uh the next one was I was actually doing a video and as I'm talking, I get this home run tree knock, you know. As I'm talking, and I mean, right in the woods, this loud, you know, this loud pop. Like, I mean, it really did sound like you hit a home run with a with a bat. And I stop, and I'm staring into the woods. You know, there's there's footage of this where I stop talking, and I'm staring into the woods all dumbfounded. Because I'm looking into the woods where the sound came from, and there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know how I feel about tree knocks. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't know how I feel about the Because there's a lot of things that can happen. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, there's a lot of things that can happen, but this, this was, you know, being my personal experience, uh, it did put the hairs up on the back of my neck and the whole rest of the, the whole rest of the night I was on edge, you know, I mean, so those are my two like audio, mm-hmm. you know, closest experiences. Um, I was doing a Bigfoot hike once and we got a whistle, like it's, and it really did sound like someone was just in the woods and did like a, you know, yeah, cool. Right. Okay. Right in the, you know, and, uh. I mean, I can't explain that. Was it Bigfoot? I mean, I can't say that either. I didn't mm-hmm. see what made, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that was during a hike. Um, so, you know, those are my experiences. I've never, and I've also never had anyone come to me like with sticks and leaves in their hair saying, my God, I just saw a Bigfoot come with me and I'll show, you know, yeah. it's it's never been, it's never been anything like that. Yeah. Um, as far as recent sightings, there was one right at the beginning of the summer outside of, the park, but uh, like on it, the person lived outside of the park, but was mm-hmm. driving through the wildlife area. And she claimed, uh, she was driving. She saw something stand up along the roadside. And when they went back to measure where, where she saw it standing, it had to be at least eight foot yeah. off mm. the ground. So it was one of those, you know, she came around a turn, this thing stands up from the roadside and, uh, she sees it clearly in the headlights, you know, uh, like it looks at her, she looks at it, that sort of thing. Um, she, you know, she reported it. That's, uh, that's kind of the most recent, yeah. uh, hmm. most recent non research group report, you know? Yes. Um, <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like the, what, whatever you could consider yeah. like what a civilian report, yeah. you know, um, where it was not, not a research group who's camping out there and, you know, seeing you know, like we get those sorts of things. Yeah. But it's really hard to keep track of because a lot of them, you know, talking to each other. Like I, there's group A is talking to group B, right? Yeah, right, right. So I don't, you know, it's hard for me to uh, kind of keep track of which sightings are which. Now, one that's really compelling, and he won't, he won't mind me telling the story because he um, frequents the park and comes down. But there's this fella that uh, 
was kind of humoring his sister. Mm-hmm. His sister was really into Bigfoot, so he went with her to go check it out one winter. This would have been the winter of like 2020, 2021, okay. you know. I think it was like December 2020. Um, and they went up to an area that historically has had a lot of sightings. Mm-hmm. And he found a, a pretty good trackway and took pretty good pictures of it. Um, and I mean, like the, the trackway was not one or two prints. It was like a game trail, mm-hmm. you know, of, of big footprints. Mm. And it's sort of one of those things where I'm looking at it and it's like, well, it's not a bear, you know? <laughs> right. So it's either, it's either fake or the perspective of this camera, like the, the, the perspective that he was taking the pictures at is just convincing enough, you know? Right. Or it like, it's either fake or it's not right. like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's either real or it isn't. That's kind of what my opinion on these photos were. Cause he took them and he kind of did it right. You know, he didn't have a tape measure with him, but he had a pocket knife. So he put the pocket knife down, took pictures of it, uh, took really close pictures, took really far away pictures, uh, gave me all the pictures, you know, um, and it's a really interesting set of footprints. And that would have been, you know, that, that one. And the the guy's actually an artist. Uh, he Hmm. does, he would do, uh, he would do, um, he would restore like 10 types of civil war photos. He would, he would oh, basically wow. paint them, uh, you know, so like the blurry, the blurry soldiers in the background or the, you know, the, uh, he, he did a lot of dog art, which I know is hmm. pretty niche, you know, uh, it's kind of a niche, um, you know, art form, yeah, but yeah. he would do like civil war dog art where he would, uh, take a picture that, and he would, he would kind of infer based on measurements, what, the features of whoever he was drawing or painting would look like, you know, he would like measure what he could see clearly and infer like what the other side of their face would look like, you know, Mm -hmm. and paint it, you know? Uh, So he decided after he had this experience, after he saw this, you know, these footprints and things, he decided he was going to take a look at the Patterson Gimlin film. And he, he took a, a frame of Patty's head, took measurements, did all of his, like did what he normally does and infers, you know, everything based on the measurements and drew a really detailed, uh, sketch of Patty's face. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> I'll send you a picture of it. Maybe, Please. you know, if you want to see it, I'll send you a picture of it. Cause it stays on my desk. It, she like looks at me, you know, over my desk. Yeah. Um, he gave me, he gave me a print of it. He had, a, he had it made, awesome. you know, into a print and he gave me a print of it. And yeah, it's re- you know, um, it definitely like human elements. And again, this is like, this is him inferring things based on measurements and based mm-hmm. on what he can see, you know, but his interpretation of it, she's got a very like human, you know, human esque face with, with ape like characteristics mm-hmm. kind of around it. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was, that's, that's kind of one of the most uh, interesting. And again, the guy was like down here, humoring his sister. She had no, he had no, you know, no reason to start to think about Bigfoot ever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I have one other one that didn't come from uh, my area per se, yeah. but the story was told to me, and I have to be kind of vague because I I, I wasn't. Permitted. I was told not to give like specifics. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Right. Okay. Yep, we fully um, understand. Yeah, the guy was really uncomfortable telling the story to begin with. His okay. wife sort of made him tell the story, mm-hmm. you know, um, but. Uh, the gentleman was from Southern Ohio, uh, the really rural part of Southern Ohio, and lived in basically a trailer that his dad had gotten for free, and, and one of his dad's friends had let uh, 
let him like put the trailer on his property, you know, mm-hmm. for free. And he said the way he described it was sometimes the power was on, sometimes it was off, you know, like sometimes we could pay the bills, sometimes we couldn't, you mm-hmm. know? So he was, he was down in this rural part of the County and he, he has clear memories of his mom rounding up all of his siblings into the living room and saying that things outside and <laughs> like kind of taking them into the living room and saying, you know, that things outside that thing. And he said he can remember it. He can he, he can hear he remembers hearing uh, thumps and you know bumps and brushes and stuff outside of the trailer like against the wall of the trailer mm-hmm. you know the outside wall and uh, so that that happened multiple times while they lived there but you know he and he he had Bigfoot was not a thing mm-hmm. when he was a kid he never thought about it it wasn't until until he was older and he was at someone's house and like Harry and the Hendersons was on you know, whatever TBS or something. Yeah. And he says, Oh, that's the thing. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. The thing. That's the, that's the thing that, you know, what is this? That, what is it? What is this? A Bigfoot? you know, like Bigfoot, like that's the thing. Now, can you imagine that if you grow up with this, you know, with this thing outside your trailer and then, then you're watching, I mean, albeit Harry and the Hendersons is a classic, yeah. yeah. but you're watching something kind of silly. And the thing that was creeping around your trailer yes. is on this silly, you know, this silly, show right you know be crazy you know, yeah that's nuts yeah it's nuts to me um so that's kind of a secondhand story yeah you know but that one when he told me and he was like serious and his wife like kind of she's like what you should him. tell him and I'll, I'll basically listen to anybody's story i mean you can i i had someone mm-hmm. tell me a story about seeing a a cloud of purple smoke a bigfoot stepped out of it walked into the woods and disappeared you know mm-hmm. and like i'll listen to anyone's story i'll listen to a story like that and I'll go, well, that's fascinating. I have no explanation for that, you know? Yep. Um, because everyone, you know, I think that's another thing that happens within the Bigfoot community. And that's part of the reason why I don't really throw my hat in with any, like, formal groups. Right. Is because you kind of, it kind of turns into this, like, well, that's nonsense. Well, I mean, to that particular person, it's not nonsense. Right. It's nonsense to us. But to that person, it, you know, it's nonsense. I mean, if I saw that, I would immediately go get a CAT scan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, You're hallucinating. Like, you know, You're having some issues. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, uh, I'll basically listen to anybody's story uh, with equal interest. You know what I mean? Yeah. I try not to be dismissive anymore. I really try, actively try hard to not dismiss things the way I used to. Um, but, th- yeah, that that one with the trailer in Southern Ohio where mm-hmm. he, remember, you know, he remembers his mom. I'm, I'm like, man, that's so creepy. It's so... Like, just, you know, thinking about it, like, thinking about being in that position, you know, mm-hmm. where, like, I mean, if, yeah, I, I can't imagine, you know, that would, yeah. I just can't. Yeah, an eight foot, or I don't know, just a, a big, big animal. a big animal slap inside your trailer. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Not, not a situation I'd probably enjoy being in, that's for sure. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, sorry, I was reading my next thing. Uh, that is crazy. I'm just, I'm still awestruck by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so at actually at the conference uh the salt fork conference we literally so we were on the top floor uh we had a guy walk in and he did not look like he wanted to be there he did not look comfortable he kind of looked uh how would you say a little distraught maybe yeah a little yeah and he came over to our table uh everybody that's seen our booth we have a lot of we have a lot of pictures and colors on our banner so it's inviting uh, he came yeah. over and he told us his encounter that what happened. Uh, oh, what's the name of that town? Egypt. Is that what it was? Yeah, something Egypt like that. Valley. Huh? Egypt Valley. Was it Egypt Valley. Yeah. Yeah. So he had it there, 
and he basically got bluff charge. That's some wild land. That that is like he got bluff charge. He was on a ridge, and this thing came up over the ridge, and he couldn't see it, but it would stop like ten feet from him, then back up, and then would do it again, and he would kind of back away. But he never could see it. He never seen it, and that's what bothered him the most. Yeah, and then we told him like, Yeah. yeah, we get that kind of you know. Bluff charges like that have been reported with other encounters and stuff. Right, yeah. And you can yeah. see that's all he and wanted to hear. Say, man, Egypt Valley is also really thick and really wild. That's that what is he was some saying. wild land. Um, I mean, Egypt Valley Egypt Valley has its own sort of high strangeness anyway. Mm. There's a lot of stuff like that. You should dig into Egypt Valley sometime. I think we will. We got, his, we got his contact information. He really yeah. doesn't want to come on the show. I think we could get him, though. Maybe. He, but the second we right. told him that... He kind of was like, oh, okay. He's like, is there any laws about killing him? And I'm like, not in this state, but make sure you don't hit a, make sure you don't shoot a guy. And he's like, right. Yeah. He's like, also, sorry. On on that note, the, the whole shooting. So I, I spoke to someone that I really can't give many details Mm -hmm. about, but, um, I spoke to someone who had been involved with some stuff at Mount St. Helens. Hmm. And they told they and talk about the hairs raising up in the back of your neck. Like when they told me the they they t- they said the reason why there's not a dead one is because ev- they're never alone, ever 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 alone, and everyone that's ever taken a shot at one has never made it out of the woods. <laughs> mm. I think that's yeah. What, yeah. yeah. And think- I'm like, whoa, whoa. And he's like, yeah, we we collected data on populations. We never ever saw just one he said there's never ever just one and i'm like man and he's like that's why that's why people who you know people always say why well, how, how come a hunter hasn't shot one and he said well there's lots of hunters that go missing every year right yeah you know and i'm like you take a wow. pot shot at one like, you can just yeah right i think sasquatch um, chronicles so, had a really good story about that where he was gonna he had a gun pointed at one and then he's like okay this thing's he could tell it's like it's not gonna hurt me i'm gonna lower my gun yeah he lowered his gun and he turned around to go back the other the opposite way, and there was one like twenty feet behind, or it was like ten feet behind him with a rock. It was gonna yeah. just, it was gonna smoke him before he shot the other one. Yeah, yeah. I really, I, you know, you can, I could totally see it. Yeah, you know, I mm-hmm. would not. My official stance, I won't take. I usually hedge on most official stances, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. But my official stance as like a conservationist yes. is maybe don't shoot one. That's my official. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's my official stance. Crypto to the like, corn podcast is a very no kill place. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's my. I think as like a conservationist mm-hmm. and, a, and a naturalist, I think my official stance is don't shoot one. I've always kind of said if I had an actual encounter where I was one hundred percent sure that's what I saw. You're not changing my mind. I probably wouldn't tell anybody where it happened at. No. Like, Leave you know, alone. me personally, if it, if it were, if it were my encounter, you know, like where I 100%, you know, I'm now a hundred percent, a Bigfoot experiencer, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I know this was, a, I probably wouldn't tell a soul where it actually happened. at. Mm-hmm. Um, I would tell them about it because it's really hard for me not to talk about things anyway. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I talked about, you know, I, uh, we all, well, we've talked for quite a while now. You know, oh yeah. We we're talk, well talk, over. Talk. It's okay. I think, I think I could, I, I, I would probably take the actual location of where it happened at, uh, with me, you know, yeah. I don't know that I could tell anybody just cause I wouldn't want anybody to go Dis- ruin it. Right. Yeah. Bother. Yeah. Um, Disturb the area. The, uh, yeah. So back to, not to get sidetracked nope. even more, but Egypt Valley, you really should check out. Some I think stuff we will. Valley, 
Egypt Valley, not even just Bigfoot stuff. Egypt Valley's got its own, oh, like you said, high, it's got high strangeness. All this, yeah, it's got its own high strangeness. It's Weird going on the board. Mm. Yeah, we have this big board behind yeah. us with all of our show nice. up topics. Yeah. It'll go on the board after this. Uh, the next kind of question I had for you is: If you, I know nobody is a Bigfoot expert. We say that all the time. Right. Uh, if you had to give an estimate, how many Sasquatch do you think could call Salt Fork its home? Do you think it's they're passing in and out? I know it's we're talking about a creature we don't even, we're not one hundred percent sure exists. Right. Yeah. This is this is the you know, but of course it's also like we can wildly speculate sometimes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you know, I'm fine with that. Um, so I would say that like a family unit mm-hmm. could probably survive one family unit could survive. So like, let's say it's like two adults and whatever, 2.5 yeah. juveniles could probably survive just fine. It's at, at salt Fork without paying any attention to park boundaries though, Yeah, where you have, you know, we, when we've got no evidence like of what the family, stru- like we don't know what a family structure mm-hmm. might be, mm-hmm. but if we're talking about just, you know, just landmass. Like we, we know we have a permanent bear family. Yeah. You know, at Salt Fork, like we know that there is a permanent bear there. You know, or a permanent family of bear. So, but that's the that you know they could also go onto private property. You know what I mean? Right. Just There's all easily, kinds of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I would say like you know, I've heard the estimates like you can use black bear as a model mm-hmm. for the food needs and mm-hmm. space needs of a species, you know? Um, but so I would, you know, I would imagine like a family unit could probably survive just fine without being seen all of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, now I've heard units there, there are, I've heard, uh, I've heard like some of the researchers claim to be able to identify individuals based on footprints and things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so there, there are like multiple individuals, but I, I could, I could kind of, oh, you owe the case sorry. of beer. Um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we have that game. Whoever's phone goes uh, off first oh, buys the beer. Oh, next, next bit. Or you guys are going to be at Crypticon, right? Yep. I'll, I'll, I'll get you, uh, I'll get you, hit you up at Crypticon. There we go. Uh, just remind me, I'll buy you a drink. I mean, that, that Sounds tap good. house at Crypticon was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you enjoyed it last year, yep. but it was. The, the tap house at Crypticon was pretty darn good. I'll hit you both up at Crypticon. Okay. Nice. All right. Good deal. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Forced him into buying yeah. us a beer. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but the, um, yeah, the, uh, I, I would imagine like a family unit could have no problem, you know, okay. even, even if it were like an extended family unit with like, you know, a, a patriarchal or matriarchal, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then sub, sub, uh, like sub adults and things like that. I, I can imagine it's a big area. Yeah. And in the whole eastern part of the state, it's a, it's basically a continuous woodland. You yeah. Know, Salt like Fork, the whole, uh, Man or not Manistee, Wayne National, Hawking, Zaleski. Yeah. yeah. But you clear, going clear over into Belmont County, mm-hmm. you know, like like all the way over to West Virginia and Western PA, you know, it's it's really wildery there. Um, that's when I have people that come visit from out of state. Everyone pictures Ohio as like corn. Our part I mean? of Ohio. Like, mm-hmm. They picture right, our part of Ohio. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's and that's what they picture. And then they get here, and they're like, "What are we in Tennessee? Like, what yeah. the heck? It, you know, like what happened? Because it really is. Uh, I just went and visited the Sasquatch track guys down in North Carolina, and uh, when I picture North Carolina, I picture the high mountains in mm-hmm. Western mm-hmm. North Carolina. You know what I mean? 
Uh, I almost froze to death in Western North North Carolina once, like on a on a backpacking trip. So like I picture that. That's <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah. forever in my mind those peaks, you know. Um, and I was going. I've never I'd never been to that portion of North Carolina. I was in like the Piedmont area mm-hmm. of North Carolina, and as I'm driving, I'm like, this looks like Ohio. This looks like Ohio. Mm-hmm. This is like this is like Knox. This could be Knox County or Holmes County, Ohio. You mm-hmm. know, that's what like it was sort of those rolling hills, right? You know those. And, and I'm like, this looks like Ohio. So I can understand why people are confused when they get to, because, you know, I, I picture North Carolina as like, there's beach over here right. and mountains over here, right. you know, and like the in-between I, I never thought about. Yep. So, um, you know, the, uh, so yeah, I, uh, I get it, but people don't realize just how like wild it is on this side of the state mm-hmm. and how hilly and, you know, uh, rocky it is. And like the prior land use here. We have a lot of boulder fields, you know, yeah. because when land was cleared, all of the topsoil eroded off, mm-hmm. you know, when all when everything was clear cut. So now we have these big boulder fields. So you can, you know, sometimes you can go for miles on these rocky, craggy boulder fields and it feels like you're in the Smokies or something yeah. like that, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's hard to say for just one section. But I, like I said, I know that we can support a permanent bear population. Yeah. Now we don't have like nuisance bears, you know. Yeah. Yet, not excess bears uh, yet. Not excess bears yet. I'm I'm hoping by the time I retire, we'll need bear-proof dumpsters. You know, that'd be awesome. Um, right? Yeah, I, I that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping for. I've seen one bear, one bear, my entire time outside. Which again, that goes back to like, well, sure, there could be something we don't. I'm outside all the right. time, mm-hmm. and I've seen one bear. You know, uh, like, you I, know, yeah. Um, in Ohio, at least I've seen them elsewhere. I've seen yeah. them where there are problems. I mean, yeah, you, know? you can go to Tennessee, you can go to Gatlinburg or you go to Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge. Like at the Econo Lodge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're getting into your house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, um, but here I've seen one bear mm-hmm. and I actually, I had a friend who, uh, who lives in way Southern Ohio, uh, whose husband is a, uh, he's like a caterer, mm-hmm. you know, he does catering gigs and, uh, like high end catering gigs. And he, you know, they never had bear on their property or anything. And he left all of his like chafing dishes and stuff in the back of his SUV mm. and like thousands and thousands of dollars worth of damage done to this SUV because a bear came by, smelled food and like, decided to try to dig its great. way. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like tried to, decided to dig its way, you know, first through the roof and then underneath the, you know, and tore up everything trying to get to it. So I'm like, they're around and you might not know it, right. you know. Um, but we don't, we don't have problem bears yet. Uh, yet. Um, I know some of the, like when you get up to Northeast Ohio, uh, where they're coming over from, they're like young, sexually mature males mm-hmm. and on their walk, you know, their walkabout, uh, coming over from Western PA, like they, they'll like stroll through suburbs and knock over trash cans and then move on, you right. know? Um, but I mean, not not to get too speculative, but how do we know that sometimes when there's like a rash of, you know, a flap of Bigfoot, you know, sightings, that it's not something like that, where maybe it's a sexually mature male that got pushed out of its, you know, you're too old, now you're competition. We you know talk I mean? about we that know? a mm-hmm. lot on this show. Literally, yeah. we have a whole episode. My leading theory is exactly that, that a lot of our yeah. nuisance Bigfoot, so I had a Bigfoot encounter, mm-hmm. uh, okay, and he was getting into local farms he was getting into our feed bin and stuff like that and taking chickens i end chickens like i had some birds that were upwards of six seven hundred bucks a bird uh so not cheap chickens 
And I, yeah, I really feel <laughs> that a lot of these ones that get into trouble are like you're saying, these adults, or not these adults, these males that are right on the cusp of being too old right. to be with the family, but still kind of young. And, so yeah. they get pushed away. And they're becoming like, yeah, they're competition to yep. the dominant, you know, yeah. Uh, so why not? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that, Again, that's why that's speculation. Oh yeah, but speculation heavily. based on known, like known variables. Right. You mm-hmm. know what I mean, and that's kind of where I try when I speculate. It try I try to speculate based on known, like quantifiable information. Yeah. You know, maybe not about Bigfoot, but about other species. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and that's the sort of thing that naturally happens. Like mm-hmm. a sexually mature male now becomes dominant or now becomes a threat to the dominant male. So you get pushed out and you have to go establish your own territory, Mm -hmm. find your own mates, you know? So, and that's how, that's how nature works. That's to avoid, that's to ensure genetic diversity. You know what I mean? That's the whole point of that. That, that whole, whole point of having any sort of hierarchy is to ensure like the strongest genes make it. Right. Um, so that's how nature works. It's not, it's, we're not speculating like on the minutia of, you know, Sasquatch ecology. We're speculating on things that, uh, are quantifiable out in the real, you know, natural world. So we talk about with that with bobcats a lot that, you know, most time it's mom raises the cubs, teaches them how mm-hmm. to hunt. But when it's time for the cub to move on, most of the time a female cub, her territory will touch mom's territory. But the male right. bobcat cub will sometimes go up to 300 miles away in its first year. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it, it, they, they travel. So, and that, I mean, that's part of the reason why Eastern Ohio had you know we now have bobcats right. because western pa and west virginia had more bobcats came right know? over That's, yeah they came right over because they don't pay attention to state borders right yeah, right. yeah. Uh, they're lines that we draw on our own maps they don't no animal right. cares about those right. no animal cares about them i try to get that across with people with other species too or it's like there are things that are in ohio that are not ohio species because there's not a population yeah you mm-hmm. know i mean woods are I, field guides when I was a kid had, had wood turtles listed as an Ohio species. Mm-hmm. They're not in any Ohio field guide now, you know, mm. uh, because wood turtles are Pennsylvania species, mm-hmm. you know, but they, they come over on the river all the time. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're all over the Ohio river, like on the, on the border, you know, but they're just not a, they're not a population that are, they're not an Ohio species. Mm-hmm. Same thing. There's some things that are in Indiana that come over that aren't, aren't you know they're they're more of a plain species that just wind up in ohio occasionally you know yeah we have the same thing with fish like gilt darters gilt darters are extirpated from ohio but they are literally in the ohio river and just across all all over west virginia so it's like yeah they're there but they just don't come back for we we're still trying to work out why we can't get them back but there's all kinds of species like that so the last or one of the last main questions about the bigfoot topic i wanted to ask you is the uh, have there been any cases? So we talked about off air, but has there been any cases of people living in Wayne National or not Wayne National? I already messed it up. Salt Fork, where uh, they could be mistaken as Sasquatch. Uh, I mean, it's so big, yeah, that you know it it does happen occasionally. We don't have any. What we talked about off air yeah. was like the the sort of city, the you communities, know, the, yeah, the sort of town, the little town, you know. Uh, we don't have anything like that, mm-hmm. but it's also salt pork's very heavily used. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So we we hear if there's someone if there's someone squatting somewhere, we hear about it pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm, okay. Um, and and it does happen occasionally. Uh, honestly, what we get more often 
uh, is not somebody necessarily like off grid camping, you know, uh, or in some sort of, but like folks just finding an empty parking lot and living in their, you know, living in their car, mm-hmm. finding mm-hmm. an empty parking lot, you, you using the shower house, yeah. things like that. Um, we get that more often. So it occasionally happens. Okay. Uh, it does, we don't have any of the communities now in, in Cambridge, uh, just, just outside of Cambridge, there is a, a relatively large community, uh, that's on like city property, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, which is all wooded, like Cambridge is all wooded too. So, yeah. uh, that does happen in the area. And actually the town, the town where I live was notorious for being like, uh, when, when there was still a railroad here in the mid 20th century, like when the railroad was still really active, uh, the town where I grew up, which is just outside of Cambridge called, it's called Kipling. Uh, it was like a well-known, you know, the, the sort of Creek bottom was a well-known like hobo, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. town. Mm-hmm. Like that was a place where you, you would hop off, you know, there were people that would feed you in yeah. town, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, so that, and that this area is very, uh, wooded and, and so I'm sure back then, you know, it would have been like the, the whole wild man thing mm-hmm. probably would have been, you know, more common back then too. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, it doesn't happen as often as you'd think with salt pork, but yeah. it's also, we're so heavily used, I get, you know? Yeah, I can see it. Um, and, and there's no, you really have to be dedicated. Like I've been most places in the park, you know, there's always places that surprise me, but some of them are really hard to get to. You're probably not going to go set up camp, you know? Uh, yeah. at some of the places that are hard to get to. Now we do have, like I said, we have people who come and squat. Like they, they come, you know, in the wildlife area gets that. You can find campsites in the wildlife area, like the unsanctioned campsites, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't happen as often as you, as you would, uh, you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Wayne, you know, I know, I know yeah, we talked about that. Places we're talking about that and that's, yeah, we don't have anything necessarily to that scale. So when I lived down there, uh, there was actually a, a homeless man uh, that was chosen to be homeless, and he was one of the ones that lived in those little towns that pop mm. up out in Wayne. Uh, but he, his name was Skunk, and he would come onto campus, and he would literally trade stuff like morel mushrooms and stuff like that for fishing supplies, because he would always just because he would obviously didn't have any money, but he would trade right. stuff. He was a giant, hairy, dirty man, and he would just kind of yeah. walk through the middle of the Hocking River by the overpass where you could see him. I guarantee he's responsible for a handful of Bigfoot sightings out of the Hawking area. That's that's hilarious. He literally, that's, I mean, that's I'm, if you've seen him from 200 yards away, passing over and just looked in the creek and see this giant guy kind of walking yeah. through the creek. Oh, yeah. That's a Sasquatch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that he was, is a Sasquatch. So that's just one thing <laughs> that I, I wanted to pop up that just because I know. Well, he, we, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just know that he is responsible for people to be like, I seen a yeah. Bigfoot. No, you seen Skunk. Yeah. Well, we, I, I've talked about it before, too. Like, after the Civil War, there were rashes of wild man sightings. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All through the American South. Mm-hmm. And, like, like you can lump all... Like, sometimes uh, Bigfoot researchers are inclined to lump all wild men sightings in with, like, you know, pre-Bigfoot, Bigfoot, you know. Yeah. Uh, but some of them, they... Like if you read some of the newspaper articles, it's basically, it's a guy in a loincloth. They're you know, people. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're people, and I'm like, well, that makes perfect sense. Like you have you have veterans from the Civil War returning with massive PTSD <laughs> that they didn't know what to call. You know what they call it back then? Battle fatigue, shell shock. Yeah. I think maybe. Yeah. I think yeah. it was before like, even shell shock. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like battle fatigue or something like mm-hmm. that. They called it. You know, 
that they didn't know how to deal with back then. Like psychiatry and psychology were in, in its infancy to say the least, you know? So there were guys that just returned home to their plantation that might've been burnt, you know, or their mountain community that might've been burnt and decimated, you know what I mean? And just like walked off into the woods and that's where they lived, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and like, okay, so there was a half naked man raiding your chicken coop and you called it a wild man. Like that makes sense. Yeah. Lumping all of those reports in with like, Oh, they're all bit. Now some of them, when it says like the wild man was eight feet tall and you know, red eyes. Okay. That's a different different story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a little different, but like, you know, you can't lump them all together, but that's always fascinating. I'm like, well, you see it now. Like, there, we don't have the best infrastructure as far as taking care of PTSD here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, so you see it now. Like, you see the homeless community amongst, like, the veterans in the homeless community. You know, that's a, it's a real, right. It's a real problem. It, and, mm-hmm. uh, and like, I'm sure it was a problem back then, too. You mm-hmm. know, you had people who had, like, massive psychological trauma Breaks returning. It, yeah returning home, you know, and, and they're like, they're turned well, loose and go live in the woods. Yep. You know, have you ever heard, I know once again, off track all the time. Uh, have you ever heard the story? So this just happened. I think it was either late nineties or early two thousands down in Florida between orange city and Orlando in like Daytona area, the wild man okay. there. Uh-uh. So they had about six months and we were kind of gone. I was going to surprise Jay with it, do an episode. There's not a lot there though. So it's not a full episode, but real quick. So th- there's like a swamp state park that is in between all this area. I go there and fish okay. a lot. Constant Bigfoot sightings or wild man sightings of breaking in, stealing food out of refrigerators, coolers, stuff like that. And then eating, like grabbing armadillos and eating armadillos. And they seen it for like six months and it was getting to be a real big issue. Cause like it was, I think he, this, creature broke into like like 60 or 70 houses in like six months pretty much every other day he was breaking into a house to steal food and finally the cops go out and they find a little camp uh where it was a fire and all kinds of armadillo shells Jeez. and they go they keep coming back and they keep looking they catch him it's a little vietnamese man he got in a fight with his captain while they were at port and they threw him off the ship he didn't speak any English, so he went and just kind of lived out in the swamp. <laughs> and uh, it's got a little bit of a, a sad ending because he thought he was in a lot of trouble. And they so the the police department gets him captured, and all he kept saying is sorry. So they get a guy that speaks Vietnamese. All he would say is sorry for the little pigs, sorry for the little pigs. He thought the armadillos were little pigs, and he was eating somebody's oh. livestock, and. <laughs> So they're going to ship him back to Vietnam and he ends up trying to hang himself because he didn't want to go back to Vietnam because he would, I guess, with the fight he got in his captain, it wasn't good. I think they end up keeping him here and I think he went to a mental health facility. But literally for six months, people are like, oh, the Bigfoot keeps breaking into everybody's house. Oh, man. It was a Vietnamese guy. Yeah. And eating armadillos, man. That's like hardcore. That's That's the worst animal to eat in North America. Yeah, I mean, you can get leprosy from them, and they carry like uh, their, their livers, right? Yeah, they, they even if you eat their like undercooked armadillo liver, causes leprosy, and they can <laughs> carry can... human strand AIDS. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're awful. Yeah, that's a. I love my possums. I will not touch an armadillo. I love possums. I love possums. No armadillos. No thanks. Uh, um, I actually looked at a. I looked at a again off track, but I looked at a projection of armadillo range, and they're like they're traveling. The projections are they're eventually going to be here. You know, I we're think, eventually going to have. Wow! So they had one 
confirmed one near Point Pleasant, I think, uh, early this summer. Yeah, I know there was one road killed in Richland County, Ohio, but mm-hmm. they they assume it was a hitchhike or a, yeah you know, under the car. Yeah, uh, get, yeah, you know. Um, but there was one. Yeah, but I mean, there there is there's a pretty good paper out there that shows their like projected range. They'll be and, here. Like, they'll they'll eventually be here. It seems like with with climate change and stuff, mm-hmm. they'll eventually be here. Um, so so for this last little section, I know we've kept you over. I'm sorry. Uh, so for this last little section, uh, I just kind of want to talk about the park itself. Uh, I know yeah. you get called on a lot to just talk about Bigfoot, and mm-hmm. like we kind of said earlier, it can get to be a bit much when everybody just wants to talk about Bigfoot. I really just want to talk about now what you do with the park and other stuff besides Bigfoot yeah. with the park. Cause it's an amazing yeah, park. Sure it's one of my favorite. It is a great park. Uh, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm biased cause I grew up here yeah. and it mm-hmm. really was, you know, I learned how to ride a bike there and I, I killed my first deer on that, on the park, you know? Um, it's, uh, so I'm, I'm a little biased, but, um, it is a fantastic park. Uh, so what uh, our really popular hikes are obviously the Bigfoot hikes. Yeah. Um, other than that, though, we do a lot of recreation being such a large lake. Uh, that's the thing. We don't have mountain bike trails and we don't have disc golf. Those are like the only two things <laughs> we don't offer people. You know, it's, it's kind of easier to like say what we don't have yeah. rather yeah. than what we do. You know, um, those are like the only two things we don't have are like mountain bike trails and disc golf. Those are the two things that people want. You know, we have a big golf course. We have a big lake with unlimited horsepower. There's a, there's a fine resort lodge. And then a huge campground, um, a giant public beach. The public beach is huge. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, yeah, so that's kind of the, the only, the only things we don't offer. Uh, there's 94 miles of bridal trail, um, like horseback trail. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we don't have horses, but there are stables in the, around, uh, there are businesses that rent horses, you know, around the, this area. Um, lots of hiking trails. So yeah, uh, Another big part of my job is recreation. I do a lot of canoeing. I'm a canoe instructor. I do, uh, so we do weekend canoe excursions for like newbies, you know, um, people who have never canoed, uh, because that's the thing is people hate canoeing because their dad made them go on the Mohican when they were oh, gosh. 10 <laughs> and, you know, and a, uh, livery basically drops you off, says, we'll pick you up on the other end. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's your, here's a paddle. Good luck. You know, yep. and you're, you flip and you're sunburnt and it's terrible. So I try to, I try to make canoeing fun, you know, yeah. uh, that's a big part of my, and that's a really popular thing, the canoeing, uh, side of it. So I do a lot of that. Uh, I also do, I'm, I'm a canoe instructor trainer. So I, I, uh, will actually teach people how to teach people how to canoe. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's awesome. um, that's kind of a component of, uh, component of my job. Um, we do, it is a fantastic birding park. Uh, however, it's like one of the best kept secrets, not, and not intentionally. It's just people don't find we're, we're out of the way. Our proximity to Columbus makes it like, it's almost prohibit because there's such a big birding community in Columbus with yeah. all the oh, metro yeah. parks and things, um, that, uh, it's our, our proximity to Columbus is like prohibitive, <laughs> you know? So we like, people don't come to solve work to bird individuals come to salt work to bird. We don't get the hordes of birders that other mm-hmm. parks yeah. do. Mm-hmm. You know, we get individuals and like drips and drabs, but we really should be one of the premier birding hotspots in the, in the state. Cause it is like a really good birding park. Um, it, I, 
I mean, pretty much any shorebird you want shows up at Salt Fork with such a big lake, you know. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. We have lots of shorebirds. The warblers are fantastic in the spring. Uh, warbler migration, you know, we've got uh, the whole area's got so many, we've got so many creeks and riparian corridors in the area that, like, we get all of the warblers that everyone else gets, you know. Um, it's, a, it's a really good park for that. And plus, you can go see your, like, majestic eagles and majestic yeah. osprey and things, you know, being such a big lake. So it's, it should be a really, uh, like the premier birding part, one of the premier birding parks in the state, but it's not. And I think it's just cause we're, we're so far East, you yeah. know, um, from everything. And then if you're in Cleveland and you're a birder, you're going to go to mommy Bay. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're oh, going yeah. to go to Lake, Lake Erie parks. You're not going to come to Southern Ohio. You're going to go to Lake Erie where all the warblers stop. You mm-hmm. know? Uh, so we don't get birders from Cleveland. We get, you know, um, but it's, it's a cool place. So we do that. Uh, I do, I do birding hikes. We do, um, some birding hikes through the summer. I mentioned, uh, I think we, I mentioned creaking. We do, yep. uh, creaking on weekends with kids. So that's, that's fun. Uh, I like general old, old fashioned night hikes. I love a good night hike where I take people out, call in some owls. We so do the lifesaver thing. What owl you know. species do you get? Uh, so barred owls are the ones that usually come in. If I'm doing a night hike around the lake, I'll mm-hmm. get screech owls. Hmm. Uh, but we get barred. I only ever accidentally hear great horned owls. Yeah. Like, you know, I only ever accidentally come across them. I've never had luck calling them in, but barred owls, they come in. Um, the, uh, so I like, I like doing night hikes. Um, we do those, um, things like that. So that's I, this time of year, like we're getting into like the school group time of year where I'm doing more community outreach stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I, we do a, I partner with our County board of developmental disabilities and we do a fish, a youth fishing tournament every summer. That's awesome. Um, yeah, which is pretty, it's pretty fun. They, they partner with us and, you know, supply the trophies and it's, it's sort of a community thing. So we're getting, uh, into that time of year where I'm starting to go back out to schools and do things like that. Uh, well, not right now. I'm actually, believe it or not, I'm actually on paternity leave right now. My wife just, oh, just had a baby last week. Nice. Uh, so I'm actually on leave. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. My wife woke me up at 2.30 in the morning to tell me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. She gets off around 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, gotcha. So she's like, hey, gotcha. John just had a kid. I'm, like, I'm, yeah. I, I'm staring like, at her phone light like a zombie. Like, okay, tell me in the morning. No, yeah, I had it. Congratulations. Yeah, had a, we had a, our first, we got three girls. So this is our first little boy. And Oh, nice. Um, yeah. I don't know what, uh, I'm still, I'm like, I, I just hope he's like really sensitive and attentive because of all the sisters. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> that's like the best that I can, I, I think that's the best I can do. Cause I got to learn a whole new set of skills. With yeah. a little boy. You know? Oh yeah. I'm used to, I'm used to being a girl dad. Like, <laughs> you know? but that's, Everyone says like, "Oh, are you excited to have a hunting buddy?" And I'm like, "Ah, my girls have never been sh- like scared of getting their hands dirty." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't we don't send our chickens away for processing. Like I have I have like a whole assembly line mm-hmm. of like you know uh, we don't like they've butchered all of our animals and things right along next to me. So I, I'm like I'm not really concerned about that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> I'm more like. I don't know how I'm going to handle emotions with a little boy. Like, is he going to get over things quick? I don't, I don't know. You know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but the, um, that's pretty exciting. We're good. It's a, it's pretty easy. I think, uh, you know, by, by kid number four, we've pretty much got it down. Yeah. yeah. Figured something uh, out. We got a system. Yeah. We've, we've kind of figured it out. <laughs> so, uh, I have like the inability to say no. So people will call and ask me if I want to, 
you know, work for a week at some place. I'll be like, yeah, sure. And then I'll realize that I have four kids at home that I've got, you know, I've got, <laughs> yeah, whoops. No. so yeah. So I got to keep that in check while at least while I'm on paternity leave. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and, so. and then my, well, one of my favorite things when we went, you know, I'm a big salamander guy. So are you, you're a harp mm-hmm. guy in general, the salamanders at the park, I'm not going to give away my spots, just like you're not going to give away your spots, but right. uh, I do know we do have some listeners that are big salamander people. Uh, Self Park's an amazing spot to go for salamanders. It is a good spot. It is. It is. We actually we installed a vernal pool this oh, past awesome. spring. A, uh, an artificial vernal, mm-hmm. you know, like a... Uh, yeah. Well, it's not artificial because it's real. It's a real vernal pool. It's a functioning vernal pool, but it's a, uh, a manufactured vernal pool. You know, mm-hmm. we actually created it like dug down to the waterproof you know clay and and built a vernal pool and i seeded it with uh spotted jefferson and wood frog eggs oh that's awesome built right so i actually seeded it with local eggs you know Mm -hmm. uh so hope i'm really anxious next year i want to i want to i you know i'm really anxious that there's going to be some actual activity there next Mm -hmm. year that'll be pretty cool yeah yeah we constructed it this past spring there was an event called vernal palooza vernal palooza uh, yep Vernal Palooza for the, the Ohio Vernal Pool Network. Yeah. Uh, the company I used to work for big was big a part of that. Okay. Midwest Biodiversity yeah. Institute. And gotcha. then, uh, well, the other one I applied for too. Now I can't remember their name. But yeah, that's awesome. I Yeah, they uh, they constructed it for us this, this year. So yeah, it's a cool place. So definitely, definitely everybody. And then the Ohio Bigfoot Conference is there in the lodge at Salt Fork. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a ball. And of all, I think it's... This is it the second largest Bigfoot conference in the U.S. I think it's the I know it's the biggest east of the Mississippi. Right, and I think the only one that's bigger uh, than it is the or or the the Washington Bigfoot conference. Yeah, the the really big one. Like well, that's the, a that, city. That we one. talked about that uh, another episode. Literally, they yeah. have so many people. They make a they make a, a city town out of it. Yeah, yeah. Like I I hope we're we're kind. Of, we've talked about maybe going. So my uh, wife was born in Seattle, Washington, and we've talked about maybe going to the really big conference mm. sometime. Just Let to, us know when you go. We'll go there. with you. Cause yeah. we, we kind yeah. of been trying to do it like, but it's just yeah. so far, so far away. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want to thank you for being on John. We've had so much fun well, with you. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been a blast. And we'll definitely have you back on for a salamander themed episode. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, oh, nudge, yeah. everybody at home. Let's do it. Uh, Let's do but it. yeah, once again, I'm, I'm, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Now, once no, again, thank you. <laughs> Uh, we really appreciate you coming on, taking the time out of your day. Yep. I'm sorry we kept you over by like 40 minutes. Oh no, you're good. You're good. Uh, it's all good. It's been fun. <laughs> so you ready to sign out, Jay? Yeah, I think so. We're always horrible with ending episodes. Yep. All right. Well, once again, I've been the great and powerful mystery. I have been. I forget my nickname at the top of this, Jay. And we've been joined by John, the Salt Fork Naturalist. So we want to thank you again, and we'll catch you next time, everybody at home. All right. You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.